and welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it, and if the truth hurts, you bear it. Oh man, I really thought I was going to get him with that opening. Nope, didn't even crack a smile. Face like Flint. G.I. Joe Flint? No, I was just thinking more of the Bible verse. Oh. Okay. Well, tonight on the Carpe Fide... G.I. Pat? G.I. Pat. <laughs> oh, Babylon B. Um, <laughs> so tonight, we're going to talk about a topic, but before we get to that topic, I just wanted to say, it has been a crazy month, and we are very, very thankful and grateful uh, to all of those of you that are listening, uh, that are engaging with uh, truth and culture. And putting into praxis what the what the Bible says Christians are called to do and to be. It's not easy, and uh, we are so thankful that, that we have been able to encourage some of you. And I don't think you quite understand how much you encourage us. So yes. We are very thankful Yes. Uh, for that. And all that to say, thanks. Thanks, guys. Yeah. It's yeah. been really nice. It's It's been crazy. So, um, we are thankful you're listening now. Uh, and and if uh, if you feel this is helpful, if these podcasts are helpful, could you please use them as the resource they are and share them with your friends and family and coworkers and pastors? If they're helpful, if they're not helpful, then please don't don't do that. That'd be a waste of time. Yes, um, we're trying to make a resource here, so uh, don't forget to do that. And if you don't think it's helpful, just message us. Message us on Instagram or Facebook and tell us how terrible we are so we can fix it next time. Yeah, we're we're open to learning and growing. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's about it. I just want to say that. Thanks. Thanks for letting me start, start off, start us off that way. It's, it's real good. It's real good there. Yeah. I'm feeling good about it. All right. All right. We wanted to talk Speaking about Speaking of feelings. <laughs> Speaking Tonight, what we wanted to talk about was a topic of an objective versus subjective. So, uh, it's really, it's really about how to make an argument here. It's how to, how to. How to define the truth away from your truth. Yes. This is important because I don't know if you've ever come across, you know, having a conversation with a, you know, fellow human being. Maybe you're having it in person. Maybe you're having it on the socials. And you realize that they continually keep appealing to their feelings and their thoughts. And you keep trying to say, but here is what is actually happening. And it gets really frustrating. And then you say, but I don't feel that you're making an objective argument. And they don't know what you mean. So this is for all of us, so that we can know what we mean when we say these things. Because, mm-hmm. man, is it difficult to have uh, a discussion where you're trying to have... When I say argument, I don't mean like... People say, oh, you're, you had an argument... I don't mean a fight. I mean a discussion where there are two different, two differing viewpoints being discussed. You know, a logical argumentation, a discussion that has two different viewpoints. In that, it's very important to be able to identify what the difference between objective and subjective is. Now, if you think that's boring, I just want you to know it's not. To be able to identify the difference between these two things will literally change how you're able to see and interact with people. It may sound boring or maybe mundane, but it's literally used all the time. Yes. Every single Facebook thread you've ever been involved in 
has to do with objective versus subjective truth. Sometimes people make an argument, they're like, oh, I don't know how to counter that. Well, understanding what objective versus subjective lenses are uh, might actually undercut the entire thing of what they're saying. So you don't actually need to know what they're saying. You just need to know that they're speaking from their lived experiences and their lived experiences don't necessarily correlate with what we know of uh, transcendental realities. Well, I guess now we're just diving away just the introduction is just going to teach you everything that we would, we would discuss about, so we're just going to intro, I guess. <laughs> and as always, you got to wait. I did a better pause. I wasn't ready. <laughs> so the important parts uh, that we, the most important part is that we stick with with what the Word of God is telling us. So you had a lovely verse that you could start us off to build upon this evening, if uh, if you'd like to. I see this time you didn't need to do the signal. I saw the yawn. So I just delayed. I delayed as the yawn happened. It worked really well. Except <laughs> now that we're talking about the yawn instead of experiencing the delay. Well, that's because it. people couldn't experience the segue of the yawn. Ah, it's important. We're growing. That's right. We're better than we were once. We're like the little plant in Wally. Yeah. Molly. Eva. Uh, Mo. All right, that's enough. <laughs> would you like to read a, Would you like to read the verse, uh, please, please? Yes, yes. To lay the foundation, to 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 start pouring this concrete. We've got John eight thirty one and thirty two. This is with Jesus talking to a group. He says, "Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free.'" And the, re- and the reason we're, we're, we're pouring the concrete with this verse here uh, is because we must understand, we must hold truth to be extremely important when we're talking about argumentation. Because if we don't have a common understanding of what truth is, or if we don't regard truth for what it is, there's no point in having the discussion in the first place. If you're having a disagreement over something, you're having a disagreement over something that is true versus something that is not true. And it's important to understand that truth is important because Jesus right here says that the truth will set you free. <clears throat> now, to actually exposit the test, he's, cor- he's correlating himself with truth as he does in other passages. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth is of utmost importance you know, in, in that theological sense also. But, but the idea here is that uh, truth brings, understanding and knowing truth brings us great freedom. Um, it, it, it allows our minds to function as as they should be functioning. Um, it brings us out of the cloud and mire and ickiness of, of sin and deception and lies and brings us into the clarity <coughs> of Jesus Christ, the clarity of truth himself. So, Amen. Um, just wanted to, to lay that groundwork um, before we start getting into talking about how, how do we know or how can we know, how do we find what this truth is in our conversations that we're having day-to-day with people. Ah, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> I feel blessed. Amen. So, in laying groundworks for for understanding truth, what we have to peel back is the difference between an objective statement or, or an objective argument or an objective source. We have to peel back the layers of what that is versus what the layers would be for a subjective source or argument or, or truth. These, these are two different things because literally where they come from is, is what, will, what end, ends up defining the, the 
reality of each. So I say that I want to give you we'll give you some of the the definitions here, and then and then well, don't worry the definitions again. I know this might sound boring. This is actually really really important stuff. It's, it's next level stuff, and when you understand it, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. I use that all the time. I do talk that way, or that is what they said. Oh, that was. That was so lame of them to do that to me. And I didn't know. Now you'll have a word and a framework so with which to hear and with which to process things. So an objective like source or, or argument has to do specifically with, with something that exists outside of the subjects doing the discussing. It's, it's something that is outside of them. So, in, the, in the, the dictionary words, expressing or dealing with facts or conditions. What? The dictionary? The, if we just take a peek at the dictionary words, we <laughs> will find this. Okay, fine. Expressing or dealing with facts or conditions as perceived without distortion by personal feelings, prejudices, or interpretations. Mm. Now, immediately, I want to compare and contrast that with the, the, the opposing definition of what subjective is. So, a subjective source or, or, or truth or argument is, is characteristic of, these are the dictionary words, is characteristic of or belonging to reality as perceived rather than as independent of mind. Yes. <clears throat> this means that an objective argument, an objective source, or an objective truth exists outside of me. It's free from my perceptions. It's free from the conditions I would place upon it. It's free from my personal feelings or my personal interpretation. It exists outside of that. That is what makes it an object, objective. A subjective argument is filtered through all of those things inside me. Yes. Subject focused. Right. You being the subject. There you go. So right away, you see that there's a huge difference between objective and subjective. Yeah, and, ho and hopefully some of you who've never thought of this before can start, see, can start to see now why it's so important. You're like, oh my gosh. Because people argue from their subjective opinions all the time. Um, and and a, a good Christian, a good apologetic, a good... Um, thinker or reasoner will will argue from the objective facts and hold them as priority um, when we're when we're trying to think through or come to some type of you know terms or recognition of the truth in a matter um, you know words like I feel I think um, you know I've experienced all of those are would fall in the category of of subjective um, rather than objective. And for Christians, it's easy to find objective sources because we just simply look to Scripture as our standard of objective truth, objective morality, um, you know, and stuff like that. So 
Yes, uh, objective truth, you're looking outward to an object to give you uh, as the source um, of those of those truths. And with subjective, you're viewing yourself as the subject. You're viewing um, those truths flowing from you, not to you. Um, so that the things that you perceive are what's true um, rather than, well, what could actually be true. <clears throat> so why, why do we think that this is, why, why, why does this matter? Why is this important? Um, is there any biblical framework uh, as to why we should care? Are you asking me? <laughs> yes. Unless you wanted to tarry. Do you want to tarry? <laughs> no, no. I think this is, I think this is, um, it's a, it's a fine question. Um, why this matters for, well, why this matters for anybody. And I think the important aspect here is it doesn't matter. This isn't one of these things where like, whether you're a Christian or not, these, these things matter if you're going to actually think reasonably about, um, and life yeah. like if you're going to live life in a way that wants to be reasonable you need to understand the difference between objective and subjective yes to be a functioning member of society right and and to want to to understand reality these these are incredibly important ideas but but particularly i think i think even all the more for a christian right who is commanded when we when we when we turn uh when we I'm totally losing the verse now. When we look in Second Peter, um, and we're told to give a, a reason. No, First Peter. Second Peter. It's one of the Peters. Guys. It's, it's in one of them. Yes. <laughs> we're told to give a reason for the hope that is within us. That <clears throat> that that idea of answering in that way is to answer in a way that is reasonable. That means it's going to involve most certainly something that we have we have experienced that makes a subjective argument, but it also absolutely involves things that are objective, that are outside of that subjective argument. And it's when you meld these two together to understand how you can actually create a full and complex, a full and complex argumentation for what is really happening, what is reality that we are in, right? So you can take this and you can put this inside of a of a of a of a court case to really a courtroom not to really understand it right you can have an eyewitness testimony but you could have conflicting eyewitness testimonies mm. and and those would both actually be subjectively based an eyewitness testimony is very very helpful in a case however if it, you can corroborate it correct if you can corroborate <laughs> if you can scoob. if you can corroborate it with other forensic evidence. The forensic evidence is going to be objectively sourced. These are things like uh, maybe, maybe there was a security camera, right? Uh, maybe, maybe there was um, DNA. Maybe there was a fingerprint or a footprint. There's, there's, these are other sources that are objective sources and when you can corroborate the objective source with the eyewitness testimony you can build a substantial argument for what has actually happened what were you chuckling at uh, i was chuckling because when you said footprint we were just watching an episode of uh brooklyn 99 <laughs> they got a footprint of this uh historians club the and and they're like 
Well, normally you would get us, but these were all gifts, and they're all wearing identical <laughs> pairs of shoes. <laughs> anyway. That's funny. <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine's Good a funny show. It's a fun show. It's a funny show. And Terry Crews, right? Terry Crews. That guy. Anyway, that's a digression. So this, this is a, a way in which we can see... What, one of the things I don't want to say here is I don't want I don't want to come across as outrightly dismissing subjective argumentation. I don't think that's correct either. For example, there's a there's clearly a room and realm where we need to um, understand and interact with these subjective arguments. Those those are the arguments of uh, that have been processed personally through my my feelings. And, and, and through my, my interpretations, and those need to be processed, right? And I'm not saying they're all invalid. What I'm saying is that if there is objective material that is in, is, is in direct antithesis to what my subjective right, presentation is, I want to see where my subjective needs to match up with what is being objective. Yes. Shown. And that's the important part here. Because if there's something that's existing outside of me that's, that, that clearly outlines what is true, I don't want to continue to live in my truth. I'm, I'm doing air quotes. You can't see that on a podcast. <laughs> I don't want to continue to live in my truth. When there is something that is clearly sh- shown to be objectively true that says that my truth needs to be uh, adjusted and conformed to this objective source. Right. And that, that, that's why the Bible would, <clears throat> would call us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind we need to come back because our way of thinking our way of operating our way of living has strayed and deviated from christ likeness and so when god gives us a new heart we are transformed and we need to constantly be in the process of renewing our mind and bringing it back to that objective standard that objective pattern which is christ like excuse me christ likeness so, yes, we it's we need to correct the subjective back to the objective. Yes, that would be Romans twelve verse two. Just doing some forensic referencing. That would be that be Romans twelve two. Uh, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. All right, and then uh, just to clarify, First Peter three fifteen is where you can find. Oh man, man, I'm for all the Sparky and Cubby and Timothy awards I had from Oana. I have to turn them all back in right now, not knowing first <laughs> the reference for first Peter three fifteen. That's okay. I knew that's it was a like, giant fail. That's okay. That's fine. We just we just talked through first and second Peter. There's there was a lot of Peter going. Man, on. there was a lot of Peter. We did that for a good long while. <clears throat> good times. We should do it again sometime. Well, I mean, when once we cycle through all the books, sure. We yeah. got a ways to go. So, <clears throat> moving. We got got to keep it moving. Uh, one of the things we want to talk about. All right, so we thought it'd be fun. To take these now, we've discussed we've discussed previously that from a from a Christian perspective, there are different spheres of government, and we've talked about this before. So we thought it would be fun to kind of just kick around some ideas, um, maybe objectively and subjectively, inside of each sphere of God given governance. All right, but before we get there, we thought it might be really important to lay down the fact this one clear fact: God is objective he is completely objective he exists outside of anyone's uh, particular interpretation 
or opinion or prejudice about what he may or may not be or may or may not do. God is, in essence, the objective source. Yes. He's the object of the objective. Exactly. He's the root of the word. Um, We have... is the word. We have some wonderful verses that talk about this. Psalm 90 verse 2 is is a super fun one. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world... From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That's a really high view by the psalmist here uh, of who God was. He has he has clearly li- li- has clearly existed uh, forever, from forever to forever. Before anything was, he was God. Would you like to read the longer passage? <laughs> I would love to. <clears throat> Just finishing up the last of that tequila. Mmm, <clears throat> tequila. Still burns. Oh, yes. All right. So here we have uh, Acts 17, 23 through 27, uh, which says this. Uh, so Paul, standing in the, mixed, the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God, perhaps feel their way toward him and find him yet he is actually not far from each of us this is uh paul uh at the areopagus uh he's there in the midst um in uh of greece in his areopagus and he's he's encountering these different different altars to these different gods these different gods to worship and noticing the unknown God, Paul sees an opening to literally express what we understand in 1 Peter 3.15. To give a reason for the hope that is within us, right? Yep. And, and, in, and in doing 1 Peter 3.15, he makes this clear statement about God having been self-existent before anything, making everything, and making everything to be drawn to him, to be constantly desiring and looking to be fulfilled by him. And that's the that's literally the plight of sin. Once we once we ceased to glorify God and sought to glory in another, namely ourselves, it has always been the plight of sin to fill a, a God glory sized hole in our lives. Only glorifying God can actually bring us to the reason of why we were made. Right. And we try to fill that with so much (laughs) dumb things. Correct. This, again, clearly pointing out to us that God is the objective source of all things, always and forever. And particularly... um, we just we we just covered this this past Sunday in uh, church is uh, Exodus three fourteen, 
And Exodus 3.14 is when Moses is having an interaction with a bush that is on fire, but not burning. <clears throat> it's on fire, yet it is not being consumed. Sounds unusual. It is unusual. Sounds like it would make me want to stop and take a look at it closer. Yes, but you should take your shoes off first. Because you'd be standing on holy ground. It was God in the, the bush, in the fire in the bush, speaking to Moses. And, and in speaking to Moses, he reveals to Moses, Moses wants to know in whose authority he was going to be sent on this mission. And God tells Moses, I am has sent you. I am has sent you. Which is a really weird way to well answer a question <laughs> like that. But that's because God is literally saying there in the Hebrew, I cause to be because I cause to be. That's that's what God's saying. Which is I know, that didn't make it any better. So <laughs> what God is saying is Everything happens because I make it to happen. And that is because I am what happens. I am it. I have always been. I always will be. Everything that is exists through and from me. That's, that's the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All the way down to Christ, who, just by the way, side, just a little sidebar. In, in John 8, he explicitly says... Um, that that he is the I am, Jesus himself and Johnny. Mm -hmm. So just want to tie that together from Exodus to, to Christ. The I am name is uh, is that self self-existing, uh, all-powerful God. And, and he is objective. So, all right, I think we've, I think I've gilded that, Lily, a little, enough. God is the objective source of all things. This is why a whole branch of apologetics is known as presuppositional apologetics. And I love the argumentation. Although I, I do think sometimes those guys, they're just a little, I don't know, something about them. What do you mean? You think they're crunchy or? Well, crunchy in the sense that they like to recycle? <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, when you eat them. <laughs> <laughs> Mmm, I like it when they're battered and fried. Yeah, I'll eat anything battered or fried. No, I, I really I, presuppositional or presuppositional <laughs> apologetics. Oh right no, on. presuppositional apologetics is is absolutely the key to understanding the objective source of God. It's it's the fact that there is no argument to be made. You can't continue to make a logical argument apart from robbing from the worldview that involves the objective God. Right. From God flows logic. And so to use logic without acknowledging God is to steal, essentially. Yes. And stealing is bad. It is wrong. It's, it's not nice to steal mm -hmm. in some contexts. But especially the government context. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No taxation without representation. Hey. Go toss that tea. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway. Yes. So, um... Now that we've established that firmly... I'm glad you moved quickly on from that comment. <laughs> Four spheres of government. Uh, Four spheres of government. How can we talk about an objective and a subjective subjective arguments and sources inside of these four spheres? So, 
So he's talking. So he take it from one to four. Is that shall we? How we? Yeah, why not? We might as well go. Right. I mean, what do you want to do? You want to start with three? Well, we can the... start with one. <laughs> I just think it's interesting to start with one. So the first and and smallest form of government that God gives is the governance of self. Yeah. Yes. I just found this one interesting because to talk about subjective and objective in self is kind of fun. It's kind well, of well, sure, but you just talk about yourself in relationship to them. So. So when, we're, when, when you think about objectivity and subjectivity in relationship to the smallest form of government, which is yourself, you know, you, you, you either appeal to the objective truths that flow from God or you appeal to your own subjective truths as God. So when this, and this bears itself, this is why it's so important, it bears itself out in day-to-day practices. I mean, think of all the decisions you make in a day. Who are you appealing to as the final authority? Are you appealing to you? Or are you appealing to the fact and idea that you will have to give account before God for the things that you do on this earth? And and, and recognize that truth. You know, when you make decisions or when you make financial decisions or when you look at, um, you know, how you're interacting with other people, what are you going to appeal to to help you make those decisions? When you turn on the news, how are you going to figure out what's actually true and what's just poppycock propaganda? You you, you either my oh my <laughs> poppycock poppycock propaganda t-shirt idea. <laughs> um, I see an argyle peacock for some reason. Oh, I see the NBC logo. Bum bum bum. Because it's a peacock poppycock and it is full of propaganda. Bing bang boom. <laughs> The memes write themselves. They so do. What what did you think of when we were talking about, thinking about self when it comes to uh, subjective and objective realities here? Well, when we're talking about the self, it it does seem to almost bend, and this is this is probably just understanding the fact that we live and function in a fallen world filled with sin, uh, all the way through through our core. We are we are dealing with sin in the self and so this seems to be bent in on the subjective but if we want to function well we know we must actually look outwards to the objective so that is i can't and so maybe this is this is the easiest time to hearken back uh to the episode that we did on all the feels and talk about emotions just briefly from the self perspective if we're going to talk about objective and subjective when I'm taking the subjective inside of the, the smallest the smallest form of God-given governance, which is me, myself, um, when, we, when we go inside of, of who I am and I start to process things, if I process them simply through emotions, I will be opening up the door to make grave error. Just a ton of bad decisions on right. top of decisions. Because my, my emotions aren't determinative. They can indicate things, but but they shouldn't determine. But the problem is they could indicate true, right? Um, uh, the emotion of the emotion of fear, um, uh, as I realize I'm approaching a a light that has rapidly changed to red, right? And there's that moment of fear. Now. That fear is justified. I should quickly use that emotion of fear, the extra adrenaline, to depress the brake in my car so as not to cause an accident and and to keep myself, whoever might be with me, whoever might also be driving on the road, all safe, right? So there's emotions that are good. Um, And then there's there's emotions that are bad. 
that that should be should be dismissed outright. And and those are when my pride just and this is very simple. When my pride is attacked, and I immediately become defensive, angry, enraged. Those emotions are not okay. Those emotions those emotions cause me to sin against others, and I have to check them. Immediately, I have to appeal then to an objective source. Because my emotions can't determine what I do. They can only simply indicate, and they could indicate truth or a lie. If I follow my emotions down a trail that is indicating a lie, then I will, I will make horrible choices. Like, uh, like I'll, I'll, I'll never fly for fear of death. Or I'll never walk out of the house without a mask on for fear of death. No, no. Oh, no. Did I go... Oh no! Oh no! What I what I mean is I don't I'm not going to I'm not going to let my emotions dictate what I do. I'm going to process them appropriately, so as not to let them indicate me and move me towards a lie that I shouldn't be following in. Hmm. Good thoughts. I had a lot of them. Apparently, I had a lot of them there, and I didn't know it. They just kind of flowed out. Yeah. I had one while you were speaking, but now I forget. And that's my fault for speaking too much. Oh, uh, not really. Uh, I take full responsibility. So, I take partial responsibility. More <laughs> like a 60-40. It's like a 60-40. Uh, <laughs> 20-80. Um, so, the, the next sphere of government, uh, as you go out here, is uh, family. <laughs> No one can see us look at each other. <laughs> yes, the serious fact. So, so I'll start, and then you process your thoughts, and you do the long rambling thing that I just did. When it comes to family, for objective and subjective, we have a whole world more to in- introduce because you've taken the self-governance, the smallest form of God-given government, now you've expanded it to the family. Well, when we speak of family, we're speaking of a husband, a wife, kids, possibly a lot of kids... Right? Yeah. And it branches ever out from there. We're incorporating basically a whole lot of selves into one unit. Right. So now you can see that there is... To which you will... For which you will give an account to God. Correct. Mm. Well, I mean, if you're the husband or right, the yeah, father. Yeah, yeah, sure. Person. Okay. Well, keep your patriarchy for your talk. <laughs> I'm kidding. We, we do, we're t- totally on board. <laughs> With uh, with the head, the the headship of of the husband. I'm yeah. Totally on board with that. That is a biblical con- construct. Oh well, yeah, we're on board with that because we're on board with the Bible. <laughs> yes, it's, it's the biblical construct here. Okay? <laughs> totally cool book. You yeah. should read it sometime. Um, no. So, <laughs> what I was trying to say was, you basically have a unit made up of a bunch of cells, which means you have both the exponential reality of appealing to an objective source like God, and and glorifying God. Right, which and you you have that 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 now exponentially multiplied by many different people, but you have the same problem with sin, and so you have the same uh, gravity towards sin and 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 processing things through subjective lens towards lies, exponentially multiplied now inside of the family. The family, as God as given by God, is led by the husband and the wife. But God gives responsibility, a particular responsibility, to the husband to give an account for how he leads his family. And he cannot lead his family well without his wife. They, they will lead a family well towards God if they lead a family together because they are both image bearers of God. 
and they are both specialized specifically with with different roles um, and different giftings to actually fulfill that image of God. And in doing that, they can walk together in a relationship that glorifies God. They can then also have children and train them up to glorify God. And all of this happens as God, the objective source, says it does. Now, when we start to twist that, <clears throat> when we start to bring in a subjective view of what family should be, U.S. Then, government, <laughs> then, uh, then we just get really just messed up ideas, of, jacked up so fast. It's real bad, and 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 so you slip in a no fault divorce, and next thing you know, um, it's husband and husband, and next thing you know, uh, it's. It's man and cantaloupe. I mean, it's there's no. Once we started down the road of degrading what God had given in the family, our subjective desires have been pressed upon it. Anything, whatever you want. Yep. Because whatever subjectively, whatever I feel, is truth. Is is what dictates it. I, I feel it, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to pursue it. And at the end of the day, all that's really led us to is uh, a, pen, a, a literal epidemic of fatherlessness, single mothers, broken homes, uh, and and the devastation of uh, society and culture. Yeah. So, great job, everyone. Yeah, it's it's not easy to, or it's not difficult to spot how, um, if if you guide your family according with subjectivity with you being the god it's not hard to see how quickly that can devolve into sheer brokenness and chaos because the ultimate decision maker is you you get to determine that and people are raised well I don't know if I should talk about it in this section, or not. but pe- <clears throat> people are raised through the talk about it twice throughout the school systems and by bad parents to to focus on themselves find out who you are figure out who you are what do you want to be no you're good you're this you're that no 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 all of that's a lie Uh, we deserve nothing that we have um stop giving such a high view of yourself um just uh, a friend sent me a, a meme it was uh like uh uh, what was it called? It was like basically like SpongeBob memes, but for all the different types of Christians out there. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah. It was like the Calvinist one. It's yes. like SpongeBob's like, I deserved that. And then the later, I deserve <laughs> that too. Yeah, he's like being like wheeled off to the dump in a dump truck. <laughs> that's, that but that's U- exactly. That was a YouTube video. Yeah, it's classic. It was, it was a funny classic. one. But uh, but yeah, but but no, but so when you look at yourself and ourselves are depraved. You get this entire twisting and deconstruction of a family, literally in our country, within two generations. I mean, it's it's insane. Like, even if you look at, like, one of the popular study t- statistics is um, two-parent households in African-American communities prior to the Civil Rights Movement, which were, you know, extremely, extremely high. Um, you had a lot of, lot of people married and staying together. Now you have up to 70% single parenthood among the African-American community today. And that, that's due to a multiplicity of factors. There's no simple answer or simple solution. It's a confounding of, of 
sin and selfishness and all and on all sorts of things. I mean, um, sin, selfishness, and incentivization. And incentivization by the civil authorities, which we'll get to. Let's not um, forget. Right. So it, it's a commingling of errors. But but when you exalt yourself, um, when when sub when 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 reality is dictated by what I say it is, um, it's easy to shirk responsibilities of your family. It's easy to say no. I I need more me time. It's easy to say um, no. That can wait, or I don't need to fix that right now, or or it's easy to dismiss someone else's you know physical and emotional needs, you know like your spouse. Or it's it's easy to you know trade time with your kids for try for time with the boys you know like when 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 there isn't an objective reality telling you or an objective truth out there to instruct you as to what to do with your family and how you should act and how you ought to act and how you ought to treat them you know anything goes and and without Christ the capability of sin and devastation wrought upon a family is just enormous, enormous ripple effects um, that that will affect generations of of children and grandchildren if if not righted and corrected by the grace of God. I think that's the that's the thing here, isn't it? We're talking about this because we can say there is an objective source that actually um, has existed, self evidently, self existent forever, creating all things, has instructed on how these things work. And 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 told us what he requires, and and we can we can engage with that objective source because he has engaged with us. It's an amazing thing. There's still there's so much hope. There's yes. so much hope, and and I see, I see families uh, all the time, and and when I see a family together, uh, I see a, I see a, a father, I see a mother, I see kids, um, I see I see. I see hope. I see them engaged. I see them enjoying time together. And anytime I see that, it's 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 remi- it reminds me. It reminds me there is an objective source that has that has decreed what is good and decreed what is righteous, uh, and that that gives hope. That's why we need to know well the objective source. We need to know well and identify when we are thinking and speaking subjectively. Mm. So that we can be clear and give a reason for the hope that's within us, yeah. which is First Peter three fifteen, mm-hmm. which I will say a lot, so I never forget again. There you go. And like one of the things I like to I like I like to think about and tell my friends because because so many of our peers grew up in these after effects of generations of sin and, and selfishness. They grew up in broken homes, and so when you grow up in a broken home, you delay getting married, you delay having children, you delay all of these because of different fears and insecurities that you might have. But my encouragement to them is that you could be the catalyst or the change to change your family's line for as long as God would allow it for forever. You know, Amen. All, it only takes one man to begin to love God and to treat other people as God would have them treated to completely change the trajectory of his family. It only takes one man to do that. And so we we don't need more people delaying marriage. We need more people jumping into it. We need more people loving God and jumping into marriage and changing the trajectory of their families from what was broken to what is what is possible. Good families are possible. Yeah, or the 
we're the loving, so much hope. we're the loving and caring heart of 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 a wife. We don't, we don't, we haven't forgot about you, ladies. Right. We haven't forgot about you. Yeah, oh, that's 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 all I have to say about that. I think. No, well, amen. There's a lot to say about the family. I think I think you're hearing both. You're hearing two guys that that care deeply for their families, and care deeply for the families of of others. Very much so. Uh, so there's a lot to say about the family. Yeah. But if you thought there was a lot to say about the family, oh boy, <laughs> wait till we come to the next sphere of God-given governance, and uh, that would be the civil government. Oof. Uh, I don't even know where, where, where do you where do you start? Where, <laughs> where do you open up the can? Where's the can opener to open up this giant can of worms? Oh my gosh! Ain't none of these worms going back in this can. So objective versus subjective truths inside of the civil government. Uh, read the Declaration of Independence and hold Joe Biden's last speech. Oh, don't, don't and you don't, will see don't. the difference between objective. Sources of truth and subjective sources of truth. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. They were endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then I always trail off. Don't we all? But, um, but... Promote the common defense to secure... Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm done. <laughs> but uh, so so civil authorities, civil authorities, and and we 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 can see this by comparing the past to the present. But um, you know, it's oh my gosh, such a such a touchy topic for me right now because I'm all fired up. You all fired up? Canada's closing churches, and presidents are you know saying, oh, you know, we'll just extend public schooling till three and after high school, as if it as if putting kids in to a broken system longer is going to make them better. <laughs> but we spent money on it. Right. You know, money doesn't fix everything. What? Oh, what are you yeah. even talking about? Joe, no, Joe, no. <laughs> no. Oh, no. No. Um, so the civil government um, is pretty much run uh, by uh, subjective... <laughs> no, I didn't say that. It's pretty much run by a bunch of um, subjective little dictates. And because of that, uh, the objective reality of the government has gone largely, has largely grown, grown flat. There's no objective connection to, to an objective source in our government. You could think back fondly to the words of um, one Chuck Schumer when the representative was quoting from the word of god and he said no 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 we will have none of that there god has no place in these chambers thank you chuck schumer yes and if you want to see what subjective uh policies and procedures look like just look to well any democrat run hellhole in this country and you will find it um don't make this a partisan issue jesse I'm trying to think of a Republican city that I could compare it to. I just, I just can't. I think what you're trying to say is that you're not making it a, a partisan issue. You're making it an objective, factual issue versus right. a subjective. 
emotional <laughs> issue. Yes. Well, I mean, the, the idea behind conservatism itself is that it would conserve these values that are written into our founding documents and into our Constitution, these inalienable rights endowed on us by a creator, which is a, a, a recognition of the objective truths that we as Christians hold to and know to exist. But when you have magistrates that are willing to throw that aside, you get the same amount of uh, sin and folly and recklessness and destruction just multiplied by, oh, I don't know, hundreds of millions of people. (laughs) And this is the problem, right? So I'm thankful. I'm thankful that... um... That God gave wisdom to men a long time ago to have that that literally gave us the longest running constitution, uh, constitutional republic in in the history of the world to this point, and I'm thankful for that because much of what what the the wisdom that was given to those men was objective wisdom that will existed um, and could be applied to thwart the sinful hearts of of broken men in governance yes Uh, they they took objective truths and built around them a system of government that would check the sin and subjectivity the subjective emotions and sin inside of many individuals hearts yes um we're we're finally coming to a real to a we're coming it's not true we've come to this head before i don't think this is different but we, we we ebb and flow in the reality of the people also having emotions and and electing other people based strictly upon emotions instead of running back to what is objectively sourced and and that's that's really where we often find ourselves in places like this when we are being ruled and governed by every emotion and passion that that controls us in a subjective way so so when we are ruled by these types of subjective ideas there is no wonder that that all of those representing us in governance would also be ruled and controlled by these subjective ideas. Yes. Which then translates into public education indoctrinating the next generation with these subjective ideas and voila, 2021. Yeah. I mean, that plus uh, a ton of other horrible policies that are mixed in there. That's probably a pretty simplistic breakdown of... Well, sure. But when you train people to be slaves to your ideas, you know... It's easier to perpetuate the ideas. Well, you could have gone all the way back to Antonio Gramsci and the, the Italian Marxist who saw the economic failings of, of, of Karl Marx's Marxism. You know, hey, the, the workers were not rising up. The proletariat wasn't rising up. We need a different way. He simply appealed to the robes of society. Right? We needed to get into the, the judge, the judge, oh gosh, stuttering Stan over here, the judicial branches where they wear, they wear robes there uh we needed to get into the halls of academia where they wear robes uh, we needed to get into um the church where they wear robes Ooh, if they could take over the wearing. robes of society then they could enact their their policy they could enact their idea of of Marxism, so Antonio Gramsci was onto that man. He was he was all onto that, and that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are today. He was yep. he, he. I mean, the Frankfurt School landed in Columbia University, guys, and just this past year, guess what Columbia had? Well, technically the Columbia College, which is the 
directly connected to Columbia University. They had completely segregated graduations. Progress. Yes, progress in the form of not progress, in the form of exactly what the Frankfurt School and their ideas would promote. Division. Total and complete division. Never thought anybody would want to go back to the 1800s or whatever. Hey, no, I know. But that leads us right to one of the robes that Antonio Gramsci spoke of as, as being important to enact these ideas. The church the as church. a God-given governance. Oh, man, there's a lot to say on this one, too. Yeah, it runs right into the same problem, doesn't it? Yeah. It's exactly the same problem. It's people who are controlled by their own subjective, sourced, emotionally driven feelings, right? Who want to be taught by somebody who wants to have his own subjective feelings met. And as long as they can sync those up, man... Golden. Yeah. And we're not just <clears throat> talking about the Methodists here. Oh, gosh. We're talking... <laughs> oh, no. Why would you call the Methodists out by name? I feel like it was just the easiest and broadest one. It depends on which kind of Methodist. The majority. Well, it de- you know what? I hear the African Methodist Church in Africa is very strong. I claim ignorance. Well, <clears throat> it was the foreign delegation. You know what? We're not going there. We don't have time for this. <laughs> we just don't have time. So what, what what happens when a church takes a takes subjectivity over the word of God? Well, you get you get churches with doors closed, you get churches with uh, female pastors, you get churches affirming LGBTQ people in their staff and in their membership and in their leadership. You get uh, one of the I, one of the Iowa states, one of the Methodist Iowa states, just uh, just nominated their first gay trans pastor. So they're gay and trans. So they're normal. Wait. That doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> I said that wrong. I apologize. Whole, I guess he's just trans. The whole thing doesn't I, make sense. <laughs> I just want to apologize. Is it she's trans? I don't know. I've changed pronouns so many times. <laughs> I can't say it right. I can't keep up. It is a trans person that is pastor. <clears throat> they uh, they unveiled this on what I believe they called. Uh, I didn't know this was a thing. I, this is probably. Probably my mistake. I didn't celebrate this Sunday, but it was called Trans Sunday. Oh, God. <clears throat> Apparently, it was a Sunday we we're supposed to celebrate um, sin as righteousness. I didn't. I guess that's what we were supposed to do. Well, you know what? And that's where following subjectivity in the area of the church or religion lands you. I just want to be clear. Can I just say something real quick when it comes to the church? Sure. As a church leader, it is so much easier. To just ignore the objective source of God's word, it'd be so much easier to yeah. just ignore the objective source that exists outside of me and just be like, <clears throat> you know what? We're just going to go on our feels today. We're just going to go on whatever, whatever tickles our fancy. You know, we'll probably draw some lines, you know, where we don't want to cross. But overall, we can make it if we just work together. Man, that'd be so much easier. It would be easier, but the truth doesn't dictate that our lives be easy. Right. I just wanted to clarify for some people. It, like, I don't appeal to the objective source of God and his word because I I always want it. Mm. Uh, because it's, it's, it's easy for me. I often have to appeal to it because it is what is correct and I need it. Mm. Not because it meets the carnal or temporal desires of the moment but because it actually satisfies the eternal desires that i need that was my point 
Yes. But the church. <laughs> yes. I mean, when you have a church that, that recognizes the transcendental truths, the objective truths that flow from God, you have a church that upholds Scripture alone. You have church that holds um, faith alone in Christ alone. Um, you have a church that upholds the doctrines and teachings of the Bible far above the opinions of man. And that's really where the rub is. That, that It frames the whole subjective-objective thing so perfectly, right? It's, it's God's opinion versus your opinion. And which one's better? Well, just even judging by life experience, uh, God's opinion is going to be way better. Um, other than the fact that he is God. So, yeah, you know, but, but when churches ignore this, um, you know, they, they don't confront sin. Instead, they, they welcome sin. Um, even little sins, sins that are, would have been easy to confront had they not been allowed to get so big. And, and sin poisons the church. It poisons the flock when sin uh, is, is left unchallenged. Um, which is why we're called to confront it and to cleanse it from our people. Um, even when you think of, you know, a- after, um, who is it? Joshua, uh, maybe? No, is it? I don't quite remember when hmm. this was. Hmm. Uh, when uh, Achan, Achan stole, I think it was Joshua. Yeah. When, when Achan stole, yeah. uh, he, he kept things that were meant for uh, desolation, for, for destruction. Um, he kept and he hid them, and it brought destruction upon the upon the Israelites in the next battle. And and Joshua spared no expense and minced no words in dealing with him. Um, and he dealt with him and his entire family just as God instructed. And they were purged from the earth and swallowed up whole. Um, you know this this it's it's a big deal to follow the word of God. Oh, I was right. I was just like that's that was that was AI, right? Yeah. It's a big deal to follow the word of God. Um, and, and when you don't, there are extreme and severe and eternal consequences to not doing so. Um, so. Yes, and amen. This is this is why <clears throat> this is why we we appeal to the objective source uh, to actually solidify a foundation of truth. We do not appeal to our subjective sources. We evaluate them to see where they are affirmed and true. And where they are leading us towards lies, we reject them. We lovingly, in discussion, try to explain and coax someone to understand that objectively sourced <clears throat> objectively sourced ideas, materials, opinions, they're not going to lead us to the deep and, and important truths that bring about change that we need. And so we have to actually discuss things that are objective. And we bring to bear the subjective that expands and, and, and makes concrete these objective things in our own lives. What a, what, what a, what a glorious way to, to be able to understand how my feelings, emotions, perceptions, how, how those things actually can fit into the objective framework that God has given. All I have to do is bring them captive in obedience to Christ. Yep. Bada bing. Which you think sounds like a terrible thing, but really it's the thing which gives you the most freedom. Oh my gosh. So much freedom paradox. 
Paradox. And why does it give us freedom? Because Jesus is the truth. And the truth will set, set you, free. you free. Oh, we, we cycled all the way back to our opening. Well look done. At, look at that. Good, good job. That's synergy. We planned that. Sure. That's for darn sure. Yeah. I, I, uh, well, that, that, that wraps up our, our content for tonight. So thank you. Thank you for engaging with us. I know this is like not one of those flashy things. It's not like, oh, hey, the Satanists are trying to have abortions in their churches again. By the way, they're still trying to have abortions in their church. Oh, they totally are. The yeah. Weirdos. Yeah. Sickos. Freaking gauntlet. They went from like Texas to right over to Arizona. Like, you know what? We'll just keep pushing. Put up some billboards. Gosh darn those guys. Oh, but, um. Yeah, but I hope hopefully you see how important this understanding the difference between these two things is, as you're going to speak and interact with the other people, uh, and, and as you're going to try to live your life in these various spheres of God-given governance, um, God-given authority. I, I just pray that you you'd be able to take this with you as a good tool in the box. Mm. Um, additionally, just want to say that uh, you know this is this is podcast is on like, pretty much like all the podcast places. So if you're listening to this on a podcast place and you you don't you want to take a second and just maybe throw us up like five stars, we'd be thankful. Oh hey. You know, that'd be awesome. Maybe you could rate us. Um, not that we need people to find us unless you find it to be helpful. So if you don't find it to be helpful, please don't rate us. It's fine. Totally fine. Um, but if this is a good resource, we want it to be out there in the hands of the church. And uh, we try to we try to keep it light and, and yet serious. We try we try to balance that. Lyrious. <laughs> <laughs> Lirious. That probably exactly describes us. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, don't forget to uh, go over and check out the shop. Uh, not because it actually gives us any money, but because it gets something in your hands that you can carry with you as you go about your day with truth, bold truth, in your hands, on your body. Slap it on your computer. Um, we want this. We want, we want to start the church to stand bold. Stand bold for Christ and His, and his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, then I'm done. All right. Well, great. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast. And as always, seize the faith. faith.